Hey everyone, welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. This is Laura Hutchinson. I am the pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. We are a an open and affirming, pro-reconciling, anti-racism church, which simply means we are doing our very best to love everyone as God calls us to love them. And so I am glad that you're here with us because we love you, God loves you, and I hope that you in this worship service feel the love of God and feel the Spirit present with you and within you. I want to welcome Joe Medley, who is our liturgist today, and um, also want to say hi to Gerald, who is playing the keyboard, to Annie playing the trumpet, and to Jason, who is singing so beautifully today. I want to thank all of you for being here, and I hope that you are having a wonderful, wonderful Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever day it is that you're listening to this. I also want to encourage you to think about how much God has given you in this life, that in God's love, God has given to you. I don't mean that God has given you everything you've ever wanted, but you are here, breathing, alive, today, because God was with you, and God walked with you, and God took care of you. And so if you feel generous, if you feel grateful uh, to God for all of that, I invite you to give generously to your church. I hope your church is First Christian Church. I hope that all of you feel like you are a part of this church family and of this church community. And so if First Christian Church is your church, I invite you to give. But if First Christian Church is not your church, your church needs you and needs your support. It is your love and your trust and your gratitude and your generosity that keeps the church going, that is the body of Christ. Those are all the Christians standing hand in hand, side by side, throughout the world, telling people how much God loves them. So please, if you feel so moved, please consider giving to God through us, First Christian. You can either go to our webpage, www.fccanniston.org, Scroll down to the bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. PayPal is the only functioning donation option for the time being. So when you first click on it, it's going to show you um, to put your credit card information in. Go to the PayPal page and pay from there. Otherwise, you can donate by sending a check to First Christian Church at 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. And now I invite you to gather your elements for communion, bread or crackers, juice or wine, and I invite you to light a candle. Let us now welcome in the light of Christ as we come to the Lord with adoration and love. Please pause this recording while you go and get what you need. Now, all of our hymns can be found in your Friday Reminders email. 
If you don't currently get that email, contact us on our website, again, www.fccaniston.org, and ask us to add you to our list. And now, let us sing our first two hymns. Our first two praise hymns are What Wondrous Love Is This, and Guide Me Now, O Great Jehovah. Let us sing together.
thy crystal fountain whence the healing waters flow let the fire and cloudy pillar lead me all my journey through strong deliverer strong deliverer be thou still my strength and shield be thou still my strength and shield when I tread the bird of Jordan bid my anxious fears subside bear me through the swelling current land me safe on Canaan's side songs of praises songs of praises Today's scripture comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for all the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for, for good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So I want to ask you to think about something for a minute. What are some of the hardships that you've had to deal with in your life? Now, I know a lot of you who are listening, not everyone, but I know a lot of you, and I know some of what you've had to go through. I know of cancer and cancer treatments, heart attacks, diabetes, and a lot of other health worries. I know of marriage difficulties, and for some of you, divorce. I know of financial struggles, unemployment, cuts in salary, and so on. I know of children getting sick or injured, parents, spouses, and friends passing away, and of all the COVID scares many of you have had. I know many of you have lived through a dark night of the soul, struggling with doubt, doubts about God, doubts about Jesus, doubts about the church, and even doubts about yourself. I know of times when some of you were under attack from people in your lives. Some of you were being attacked by family, some by co-workers or bosses, some by the IRS, and some by sources that many of us can't even imagine. And I know that many of you haven't really had hardships, but still felt yourself slipping away from God, even in the midst of, or maybe because of, good times. There are so many things that can happen and even more things that we can do that make us think that God isn't there or that God hasn't has left us completely. Today, Joe read an excerpt from Paul's letter to the Romans, and what we see expressed in this segment is a recognition that life can bring a series of challenges, difficulties, and even hardcore battles. But Paul is also saying that none of those hardships can take away one iota of God's love. He says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, first, the Spirit of God is with us even, or maybe especially, when we are weak. Not necessarily when we are physically weak, like when we haven't gotten enough sleep or when we've worked too hard or just gotten too old, but more when we are spiritually weak, when we don't know what to say to God, when we don't know what we need or what to ask for, or we think we do, but we're still not saying it right to God. The Spirit sees into our minds and our hearts and speaks to God on our behalf. Fred Craddock, a great disciple, scholar, preacher, theologian, um, he said that this confession is part of the anguish of an unredeemed creation. He says Paul prays in community worship and in private, but despite his theological education, his encounter with the risen Lord and the depth of his religious experience, including miracles and visions, he does not claim that he knows how to pray. And this is not false modesty, but the acknowledgement that speaking to God is not a casual matter that can be learned. 
Yet in our stammering efforts to pray, despite all our confusion and doubts about what prayer really is, the Holy Spirit within and among us knows our deepest longings that we cannot articulate even to ourselves and brings them before God. The community of the Spirit need not turn its praying over to spiritual experts or wait until it has learned how to pray before it really prays. Prayer, too, is a gift of God, he says, not a human achievement. This means that before any conflict has even come up, before we do or say or think anything at all, God is already with us and in us. And God already knows our hearts. God already knows what we need. And God is already loving us before we take our first breath in life. This kind of love is beyond anything that we can understand in our world. As much as we want to believe that we love unconditionally, the fact is we have a hard time truly knowing what that is. Probably the closest thing to God's version of unconditional love on earth is a parent's love for a child. But as many of you know, there are many parents in this world who put all kinds of conditions on their love. But God does not. And God's love is so unconditional that it doesn't even wait until we ask for what we need or until we tell God what's in our hearts because God has already been there and God already knows everything about us. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. God sees beyond our words, our thoughts, and our actions and understands the why of what we do. God knows the damage that was done to us before our memories even started forming. God knows our unconscious motivations, and God knows all of the little messages buried deep in our minds that silently drive our prejudices, our sinful desires, our insecurities, our anger, our empathy, our hurts, our loves, our passions, and all of the other things that make us who we are. It's why God is able to love us even when we are the worst of the worst. God knows why we have done what we have done. Now, I don't want you to think that that means that we can do whatever we want because, well, God will just love us anyway. No. God's love is not a license to sin freely and we ha and then have no consequences. In the perfect world that God created, a world driven by the laws of physics, every cause has an effect. And in God's love for us, God does not want us to suffer or others to suffer because of our sins. God loves us too much to want to see us hurt ourselves or others with our words, our thoughts, and our actions. And let's face it, most of the pain in the world and in our lives is brought on by someone's sinful behavior, be it ours or someone else's, right? But Paul's love, I mean, but God's love allows him to have sympathy for us even in the midst of our destructive sin. He is pained by our sin because he loves us. And therefore, in his love, he wants us to do right. Well, Paul says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? 
It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Well, in this letter to the Romans, Paul speaks about God's unwavering love from a place of certainty. He is not saying that he hopes God will, God's love will endure. He is saying that God has already proven to us that his love is infinite because he has already sacrificed his son for our salvation so that we can be forgiven for our sins. And if Jesus is God incarnate, then God sacrificed himself for us. And so if God has already done that, then anything else really is a minor thing. And if God, the one who created us and everything else, as far as the eye can see, is willing to go so far as to be crucified in order to save us, who or what in this world can really hurt us? Yes, we can feel pain and emotional pain and physical pain because of the things that happen in our lives, but the great plan for us and for history and for life cannot be hurt by anyone or anything. We know Jesus, and we know what God did for us in Jesus. And so our souls are safe, and our futures are assured. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Craddock also says in his commentary that the enemies are real and must be resisted and endured. But neither this worldly enemies nor transcendent cosmic powers can separate the believer from God's love manifest in Christ. In this world that seems so random and so out of control, we are hearing from God through the scriptures that while everything rages insanely around us, none of it can come between God and us. There is no force more powerful than God's love for you. There is no enemy stronger than God's love for you. There is no event in life or death that can stop God from not only loving you, but from bringing you into God's full embrace in eternal life. Now, it doesn't matter who we are in this world. Our lives have been turned upside down, haven't they? It doesn't matter if you are a person barely scraping by in the streets of Guatemala or in Kenya or in China, or if you are Oprah Winfrey or Ellen DeGeneres, it doesn't matter. Our lives have been turned upside down. I mean, this time last year, none of us had ever heard the phrase social distancing. Most of us in the United States never even considered wearing a mask. Most of us didn't think twice about greeting someone with a handshake, a hug, or even a kiss. We did not look upon all people and wonder if they were carrying a deadly virus. And we also couldn't see so clearly 
just from the way someone walks through the world, if they are selfish or not, if they are defiant or not, if they are ignorant or not, if they are careless or not. Now we can now today we can just look at a person and make a judgment on their character simply by whether or not they're wearing a mask. Depending on what side you're on, though, for the life of me, I cannot figure out why there are sides in this debate. Depending on what side you're on, you see a person wearing a mask and you might assume that they are a liberal, a fearmonger, or someone who has voluntarily given up their freedom. Or you might look at a person who is not wearing a mask and assume that they are a conservative, that they are reckless, that they don't care about anyone but themselves, and that they are politicizing something that is simply about public health. I have to confess that I have struggled with this. And consequently, I've had a really hard time loving people the way Jesus tells me I should. And I've had a hard time understanding how God could love those people too. It's the truth. I know I'm human and that is my sin. And yet God does love them just as God loves me and you and everyone else that God created. God might not love what they're doing just as God does not love everything I do either. But God loves them. And there isn't a thing they can do that will make God stop loving them. In my sinful nature, I find that frustrating. (laughs) But in my perfect state of grace, I have to be thankful. Because that means that there isn't a thing I can do to make God stop loving me either. Right? There is an awful lot in this world that we can't possibly understand. First and foremost why people do what they do. But there is one thing we can count on, and that is God. God is with us. God knows us. God sees us in all our beauty and our disgrace. God died so that we can be with him. And God loves us no matter what. When things get too overwhelming to bear, I want to encourage you today and tomorrow, and every day, to lean into that thought and to know that in the end, all that matters is the love that God has for you. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me still today, walking with me on the way, wanting as a friend to give light and love to all who live. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
haven't figured it out already, um, one of my favorite poets is Thomas H. Troger. He writes hymns, poetry, um, beautiful words. And he wrote this poem based on our scripture today. It is called Through Our Fragmentary Prayers. Through our fragmentary prayers and our silent heart-hid sighs, wordlessly the Spirit bears our profoundest needs and cries. Deeper than the pulse's beat is the Spirit's speechless groan, making human prayers complete through the prayer that is God's own. Let our jabberings give way to the hummings in the soul as we yield our lives this day to the God who makes us whole. Search and sound our mind and heart, breath and flame and wind and dove. Let your prayer in us impart strength to do the work of love. This table prepares us for the work of love. This is where we meet the Spirit. The Spirit invites us to eat and to drink and to remember the sacrifice that God made for us in Christ Jesus. This is the place where we gain the strength to do the work of love. Because of God's love, all people are welcome to eat at this table. There is no one that God would bar from sharing this meal and from accepting the grace that God has to offer. Come and eat. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, 
You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. O Lord, we know that amid all that we face, every day, every month it seems, and who knows for how many years, this table is always here. It's here for us all together. It's here for us to be with you. It's here for us to consume the flesh and the blood that you sacrificed for all of us so that we know that you conquer all. In your name we pray. Amen. Take and eat the body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Let us sing together our communion hymn, When Love is Found. remembrance which you can find in the about this episode section of the podcast by partaking in this meal we remember that christ was born christ, christ died. died christ was raised christ, christ will, will come, come again. again this is the mystery of our faith thanks, thanks be, be to, to god, god. as you leave this service Know that you walk wrapped in the arms of love. We do not seek to do good out of fear of losing God's love. We should seek to do good because God loves us, 
no matter what. And in God's love, God wants the best for us and for everyone around us. Let us walk in love, knowing that God's love is for us. And we go into the world to share that love with everyone we meet. Go in peace. Amen. And now let's sing in celebration in all that God has done for us. Let us sing together through it all.